Okay, Mr. Homeowner. So what you're telling me is if I can solve this problem, we have a deal. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. All right, what's up? It's your man, B. Holmes, back with another episode of Doors to Success, where I lay out the B-print, which is me teaching you how to knock, open, and conquer the different doors to success in your life. Just glad you're here today. It's exciting. So um, today, we are going to talk about overcoming objections. Now, just like with anything I talk about, there is the topic and then there is actually what you need to do to overcome or to fix it or to the true essence of what it is you need to, to, to battle that thing. So, for example, we've talked about, you know, prospecting and it was positive mental attitude. Or we talked about, um, you know, transitioning and it is, you know, building value. Well, with this one, overcoming objections, this one isn't overcoming objections at all. What this one is, it has everything to do with validation of your customer. Validating. Everyone's core desire in life is to be validated. It doesn't matter what it is or where they're from or who they are. People want validation. That's why there's social media. Everyone likes the, you want likes, you want views. Why? Because it's validation of what you're doing. People want to be valid in their core Every living thing wants validation. And that's, think about the last fight you were in. The last fight you had, think back. And what was the other person fighting so hard for? What was it? It was for you to hear them. They want to be heard. People want to be heard. And not only heard, they want to be understood on a deeper level. And the crazy part is what I've learned in sales and in life in general is when someone feels completely validated or understood, they actually don't even care about the, the answer or the result or how you're going to fix it. What they care about is knowing you know what their real issues are. Because if you know the real issue and you feel what I'm feeling, you'll know the right answer. That's what everyone assumes. And it's interesting because they don't. But here's an example. So I woke up one morning and I was wearing an orange shirt. And my wife w- woke up and we were walking around. And she's like, I don't like that shirt. And I said, okay, so to understand you correctly, what you're saying is, is that you don't like my orange shirt because I don't look good in orange. And I'll get in the psychology of why we're doing this in a minute. She goes, no, I just don't like how orange looks on you with those shoes. And I'm like, okay, so to understand you correctly, you don't like how my shoes look with this color because the color combo doesn't look good on my skin. She's like, no, I just don't like how the shoes are on your feet and, you know, shoes are dirty. I said, okay, so to make sure I understand you correctly, what you're saying is, is that you don't like my shoes because they're dirty and that makes you have to clean the house or, yeah, I don't like your shoes on your feet in the house getting dirt in the home. Oh, okay. To understand you correctly, you don't like when I wear my shoes in the house and get the house dirty. Yes. I said, well, why don't you just say that to begin with? Like, first it started with, you didn't like my orange shirt. But it went all the way to my shoes in the house, getting the house dirty. So why is it that people like won't just tell you the issue? And the truth is, is that people and in sales, people are going to say buyers are liars, right? You heard that saying, if you're in sales, like buyers are liars. And I disagree with that. What I think is that buyers don't know what they don't know. 
Buyers don't know what their real objections are. And as a salesperson, a true sales professional and a great communicator, what you'll do is you'll validate that person until they actually feel validated. And once they feel validated, my wife didn't care about the solution. I even said, do you want me to take my shoes off? She's like, no, it's okay. You got it. So it didn't, the, the solutions and in relationships, right? This is where it can get really hairy is it being in the solar industry. When my wife says, I don't like how the solar panels look without me validating and finding out what the real objection is. I being the big man, jump on the roof and start un, uninstalling the solar and start throwing them on the ground. And she runs out and says, what are you doing? I said, you don't like how the solar panels look. She's like, no, I just don't like your dirty shoes after you've been on the roof or outside in my house. Like, what? Why didn't you say that? And that's not on the customer. That's on us as sales professionals to ask the right questions and validate the concerns so that it feels correct. It feels like it's good because what will happen is if a customer has a real objection and you don't handle it correctly, they will agree to move on with the sale. They'll agree that this needs to move forward and then Two or three days later, they'll cancel because it didn't feel resolved inside. They didn't feel that it was resolved, and they just remember feeling, uh, this is going to, you know, I don't want to do this. So they go through the motion, and they cancel, and you're like, why'd you cancel? They can't even remember why. They just know how it felt. So if in the moment you can say, hey, you know, what, what's the true issue here, or what's your problem, or what's the issue? Well, I just don't like how the solar looks on the roof. Okay, so if I understand you correctly, what you're saying is, is you don't like how the solar looks on the roof. Well, you know, I, I just don't like how the solar looks, and if I move, then someone else has to deal with it. Okay, so what you're saying is, is if I understand you correctly, you don't like how the solar looks on the roof because if you move, the other people might not like it, and that might prohibit you from selling the house? No, you know, I just, I just don't think it's going to be worth it. Okay, to understand you correctly, what you're saying is, is that you don't think that the cost for solar, saving money, is actually going to be worth it because you don't know how to get the tax credits? Yes. I don't understand tax credits. Okay, to understand you correctly, you don't know about tax credits. Yes. Perfect. And right there lies in the beauty of a sales uh, overcoming the objection by validation. Okay? Now, I know I've just given like three examples, but I wanted to lay the examples out first so you could know what I was talking about. Now, We'll get there. And that technique that I just used three times is called the porcupine. And I'm going to go into the psychology of why the porcupine works and how it works. But first, um, you know, the, there's two different types. If, if we're going to start back over, now that you know the end game is to learn how to porcupine and why. And it's not to give the answer, but to give the feeling that you understand their concern and you're good with that. Not the answer, not solving the problem, but you understand the concern, the customer will move forward. They'll feel good about it, so then when they remember, oh, that's why I'm going with this, okay? So, back to the beginning. In sales, you've got two different types of objections. You have what we call smoke screens, and you have true objections, okay? A smoke screen is something that a customer just puts up to get you off their doorstep or to get you off the phone or to have you move along or to not finish the conversation if it's a spouse. They'll give you smoke screens all the time right? Just to hurry it along to just say, I don't like that, whatever, no big deal. Okay. But there's two ways to handle smoke screens. The first one is a simple three-step method I use that you ask a simple question, you give a bold one-liner, and then you follow up with bandwagoning and confirmation. Now, when doing this, 
the if it's a real smoke screen that they have an objection about, the more you can use something that that customer consumes or uses on a day-to-day and you can tie a familiar experience to and a process with, then you have a highly likelihood of overcoming that concern quickly um, because they'll understand the process. For example, if a customer says, hey, um, I don't know, like when I move, what happens to the contract? Like what just how, you know, if I move away from the home, how does a new homeowner take over? Like what, what happens? Okay, smoke screen, because I'm going to say, you know, do you have a mortgage? Simple question they can relate to. Everyone's got a mortgage if we're dealing with homeowners. Do you have a mortgage? Yes. Has the contract ever been sold or serviced by another mortgage company? Has it been sold to another company? Yes. Well, it works exactly the same way. Okay, perfect. And so like I was saying was, and then you continue on with the remainder of, you know, the conversation. But by say, asking a question, hey, so do you have a mortgage? Knowing they do, knowing the answer is yes, yes. Well, uh, has it ever been sold or serviced by another company? Has that company sold it to another company or transferred it to another company, another lender, which you know 99% of every mortgage has? Yes. Well, great. It works exactly like that. So like I was saying was, is blah, 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 next thing. And the customer knows what you're talking about because they've already been through it with the mortgages, right? So that's what makes this technique really beautiful. Um, another one is, is like, hey, well, what is, is solar like a lasting technology? Like when they come out with a new technology or like, you know, you guys will go to business. So my, my comments, my quick smoke screen, three-step method with this is, you know, uh, are you familiar with the sun? Well, yeah. Well, if the sun goes away, we have way bigger issues than, you know, your solar working. It's like the zombie apocalypse at that point in time. So I think that we're pretty okay with the sun. <laughs> it's a pretty good job security. So like I was saying, and I'll actually kind of laugh about it and it lightens the mood. It's called like a depressurizer. It's like that tire's about to pop. And when you kind of smile and joke, you just kind of let some air out and it makes the customer feel like it's okay. Or the other one is, is like, um, Hey, so, um, you guys have heard, you've heard of the IRS, right? Yeah. Well, does the IRS give you guys tax credit money for your current electric provider? that uses fossil fuel? Like, do they give you guys 26% back annually on your, you know, on, on your utility bill? No. Well, the government actually gives back 26% on solar projects. So if the government is willing to invest that money in that, like, I think it's pretty good job security. Like, I think it's going to be around for a while. So like I was saying was, and then it's kind of like a joke and you laugh it off, but that, those are some quick ways to uh, get rid of a, uh, get rid of smoke screens. The other method that I want to talk about quickly is what I call the Phil Felt Found method. Now, this is all about bandwagoning. So what bandwagoning does is that if you are speaking it, you're just the sales guy. If your neighbors speak it, then, you know, it's gold. They, they, it's, it's game over, right? So a Phil Felt Found method is, is super simple because all you do is you say, you know, Mr. Customer, I don't like how it looks. Okay, Mr. Customer, I understand how you feel. Bill, he felt the same way, but what Bill found was is that after he put solar on the back of his home, he never saw it anyway, and he enjoys looking at his bank account a lot more than he does looking at the back of his roof. Like I was saying, what we're doing, and in that way, 
You're validating their feelings. I understand how you feel. Bill feels the same way. He felt the same way. But what he found was, I feel the same way. Bill felt the same way. And what Bill found was, is that this was his answer to the solution. And it can be whatever you want it to be. But truly, any solution at that point is fine because it's a quick, a quick, brief validation. It's like a preview of a validation to that person's concern, okay? And that will get rid of most smoke screens. So I feel like, you know, um, the four important things that this does is, one, if you, you know, use those two methods, the three-step or the Phil Felt Found method, then... Um, yeah, the first thing it does is you ask questions. If you notice, I've asked like three questions on a really short conversation and asking those questions puts you in control of the conversation. So one, you're in control. Two, it gets them thinking about their life, their neighborhood bill or their, you know, their mortgage statement or their own son, the son in their lives, or they start incorporate, uh, incorporating and internalizing what's going on in their life. So that's the second thing it does. The third thing is they relate to it because you're going to use examples that 99% of people go through, like mortgages, like automobiles, like cell phones, like um, the sun or utility bills. These are examples that you're going to use because everyone can relate to it. The things you don't want to use are like sports analogies. I learned this early on in my career. I'm a big basketball guy. I love basketball and football like American football. So I made the mistake of I was, you know, doing uh, selling home security in a place called Oak Cliff in Dallas, Texas. God bless Texas. If you know anything about Dallas, Texas, Oak Cliff specifically, it's El Barrio. It is, was featured on, you know, most deadly cities in the, in the United States of America, like top 10, like last 20 years in a row. And um, while I was there, I would, when I was talking to the people there, I would use the analogy of football. Like, hey, so like in a football game, you know, and the coach, and I would start using a football analogy, and I started to not close my cells. And I was like, why am I not closing my cells? Well, I had another buddy with me, um, and he actually was from Mexico. And he told me after, he's like, why are you saying football and you're talking about passing the ball? And I was like, well, you pass a football. It's a pigskin. You throw it with your hand. And he said, everyone you're talking to is from South Central America. Like, they think football, you think soccer, they think you're all stupid. So here I am using these analogies of football, throwing the pigskin. These people think I'm stupid because their association with the football is soccer. And I'm completely in left field. They think I'm dumb. They don't understand the analogy. They don't respect the football I'm talking about. And it's just, it was a mess. And I was like, oh my gosh, what a, what a crazy thing. Why would I ever use an analogy? So if I'm going to use an analogy like that, I'll find out what they like. I'll do some good recon before I start using my analogies and I'll find out what they like before I use my examples. So if you don't do good recon, which I'm assuming most sales guys don't, but this is getting you to be a sales professional, good, ask good questions. Do good recon. Ask them, hey, what sports you play? Look around. Notice the flags. Notice the sports teams. Notice what the kids are doing. Notice what the pictures on the wall are. Notice, be, start taking inventory of what you're dealing with and who you're working with. That alone will save you so much time and it allow the person to feel specificity. 
specificity is, I think I made the word, I probably didn't, It's but I use it a lot, and I feel it's one of the most important objections you got to overcome with any customer, because when people like, hey, I'm just a telemarketer calling everybody on my list, or I'm just a guy canvassing the area with a hundred other people, no one wants to talk to the canvasser or the telemarketer, but if I knock on you, I say, Bill, right? Bill, I've been waiting for you for the last two weeks. I finally caught you. You're a very busy man, Bill. I appreciate you. I got glad I got your time. I'm Brandon, United Energy. Pleasure to meet you, man. I just put my hand out right there, confident. Boom. Bill's interest. Bill goes, how'd you get my name? Now, obviously, I'm, I'm stuck on my Texas. When I spent, spent eight years doing door-to-door sales in Texas, selling a couple products, I love Texas. My wife's from Texas. We've I spent, like I said, most of my married life in Texas. We love it out there. But um, that is how you're going to handle those situations, and people feel specific. They, they feel that you are there to identify with them as an individual, and they're important. If people feel important, they feel specified, they feel that they're the person that you're there to deal with, most of the time they'll give you time, and all I need is just a little bit. I just need, I need seven seconds of your time to lock you in to a conversation with me. And if I can lock you in in seven seconds, I'm going to buy myself seven minutes by overcoming my objections in the first seven seconds, and then I'll take seven minutes. So back to number three um, is using things that people know, getting good. I know I went down a rabbit hole there, but what that means is that, because you're going to use this in anything, is that you need to understand who you're dealing with, who you're talking to, because you got to use the example. So if we're talking to people who aren't sales professionals and you're just trying to get going, remember, use examples that most everybody will deal with. Mortgages, weather, um, cell phone bills, social media. Um, you know, I, I use an analogy with, you know, selling solar where when I would sell solar with net, like net metering and rollover minutes on your cell phone, if I'm dealing with anyone over 50. Shout out to Red Bull, the unofficial sponsor of the Doors to Success and the B-Print. Thank you, Red Bull, for providing me with the Kiwi Apple flavor. Love it. Please do not discontinue. We will have problems. All right. So, uh, number four, responding in this way, back to Phil Felt Found and my three-step smoke screen clearing. Like to clear the smoke, clear the smoke. Responding that way, uh, you come off as it's no big deal. Make a joke out of it. Make it lighthearted. Depressurizer makes it be super simple to deal with. Not a big deal. Anytime you can act like, hey, it's not a big deal. Um, and I've already I talked about this before, but if you missed it, when dealing with credit, when a customer says, "You you don't go pull my credit, right? You don't get You don't need my. Why do you need my social?" I look them square in the face and say. You can't buy anything to the, in today's world without pulling your credit. You know that. And I, I kind of side smile. like I put it back on. I'm like, name one thing that you bought in the last five years that was over $5,000. They didn't pull your credit. And they'll be like, yeah, yeah you're right. Like, no big deal. But I look down and I say, uh, what's that birthday date again? You say June? Head down mm-hmm. and move forward. So that's a super simple way to do it. But it's no big deal. No big deal. Everyone does it. Do you know how many times credit gets pulled in a day? It's crazy. I'm going to try to pretend I know the stat. I looked it up one time. Millions. It's nuts. So 
And then the last thing is, is the band bandwagoning. It's getting the neighborhood. It's selling through the neighbors. It's using Bill. It's using the people you've talked to. Hopefully in my prospecting module, you've already learned and heard that, you know, getting people around you, getting your bullets in your revolver, your five bullets, the five names of the neighbors that you can use when you meet that one customer, boom, 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 boom. You got those five shots you can pull out, which when I say that, I mean the five information bits you have. So when you meet the one out of the 10, because when you go into a neighborhood, you're not going to sell all 10 people. You know that. It's a numbers game. Or when you get on the, your set of leads, you're not going to sell all 20 of these. It's, it's one out of 20 on the paper. It's one out of 10 in a neighborhood. You know this. So go gather all the information you can. So when you meet that one that is the one out of the 10 or the one out of the 20 when you get them on the phone, you have all the information you need to unload that revolver of information so that they feel confident. They know that you're legitimate that you belong there, that you're the local guy doing this thing, whatever you're selling, boom, and then it just increases your likelihood of, of making that sell. That's how you clear the smoke. So back to overcoming the objections. So bigger pick, that's down the leg of the smoke screens, okay? Then you actually have real objections, a real objection that's going to stop the person from moving forward in the cell, okay? Now, there are four layers of overcoming the objection. And you're going to be very angry with me because the cool sales skills that I teach, the cool sales skills of 15 years of trial and error that I've learned, only actually overcome 10%. They, it only fixes 10% of the customers. And you won't believe that because you actually haven't sold a lot. If you've sold a lot, you know what I'm going to say is legitimate. So the first one is belief. To overcome any objection, you have got to believe in what you're doing. I kid you not. This is no, this is no, I'm not shitting you. Last night I had a rep that was in a house call me and he said, hey man, um, you know, we've, uh, this customer's worried because they're going to move in a couple, like in a couple weeks, they think they're going to move and you know, they don't know how it's going to transfer. I'm like, dude, perfect. This, this product that we're selling is perfect for people that move. It increases the value of the home and it transfers easy, just like their old bills that they're using, like they're used to. And they can, you know, get a new one when they're there. And the sales rep goes, you know, I just don't know if like, if that's how it works. And I'm like, okay, stop, stop right there. You're going to lose the sell. You're not, you're not closing the deal. You're not, don't even go back in and embarrass yourself because you're not going to make it happen. He's like, what do you mean? I said, you just, you, you haven't even talked to the customer yet. You don't believe that this product is better for a customer that's selling their home, which it is, but you don't believe it. You are arguing with me about a product I have. I'm not the product. I'm not the contract. I'm just telling you what it does. And you're arguing with me. Why are you arguing with me? Like, I'm trying to help you. And you're, you are telling me your disbelief in what I'm saying you're talking back to it. And I don't mind talking back and get into an argument here over this. I'm fine to argue with it. It's contract's contract. And I happen to help write it, so I know what's in there. But besides the point, you are already doubting. The customer will feel that, and they're like, they're looking for a reason for you to doubt. They're looking for It's like blood in the water, and they're a shark. They just want to sniff that piece of blood, and they're going to attack that latch out of the thing, and they won't let go. So... No signs of weakness, no signs of, you can't give them any reason to feel that you don't believe in what you're doing 100%. I talk about the grandmama belief, and that is if you would sign your grandma up for the services that you are selling, 
without letting her read the contract and you feel completely comfortable letting her sit in that contract for 30 years, you're selling a good product. If not, call me. I have plenty of great contacts and products that I've learned and I've been dealt with in businesses that I do business with that I would absolutely put my grandma in without letting her read the contract. Now, I'm not saying you do not read the contract. I have my attorneys read everything, even to the opposition of some of my executive uh, partners. They, they're like, why are you having the contract? You, know you know the contract. Don't, don't spend money on the attorneys going over that. Nope. In case I miss something, there's, why, there's wisdom and then there's belief. And, and if once you read through the contract and you know and you've got a product you believe in, that will overcome 50% of all the objections. Having a solid belief in what you do and just being that confident guy, that will overcome 50% of all objections. If you don't believe me, you've only been selling for under a year. Anyone that's had any skin in the game for more than a year knows what I'm talking about. Or you're just one slick snake oil sales guy and you know who you are. So, belief gets through it. Number two, I've already talked about this in prospecting. It's huge. It's positive mental attitude, PMA, right? The battles are one in the general's tent. Make sure that you are prepping yourself before you go out to war. You got to swallow that frog. Swallow it early in the morning. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch, my, go watch all my other content. Swallow that frog early in the morning. Make sure you're getting it done. Powering up, telling yourself, I love myself, 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 I love myself 10 times. That's 100 times of powering of I love myself. You can't tell yourself I love myself 100 times and just not be grinning ear to ear. Like you just feel good about yourself. So power up and having a positive mental attitude going into a cell will overcome 20% of the remaining objections. So if I believe... And I'm powered up as an individual. I'm mentally locked in. I am, you know, uh, emotionally locked in. And I am moving towards this. I'm getting rid of 70% of the objections just on the sheer optimism and excitement of what I'm doing. It's, it's crazy. That's, that's, that is what you call the new sales guy's luck. If you ever notice when you have a new sales guy, if you've ever been in management, your new sales guys go out and they just start slanging. Slang and slanging. Uh, I had this guy, he couldn't, even, he couldn't even write his name. I kid you not, he was homeschooled, but they didn't do any kind of school, kind of homeschool. His, his name was Tim. And old Tim, he came out and he sold a three on one day and a four and a three. And we were like, Tim, you're God's gift to selling security systems. <laughs> and after day three, Tim bageled for three weeks straight. And I'd sit down every night and like, Tim, what's going on, man? He's like, man, I just get all these objections and I don't know how this thing works and I don't know how the sensors work and I don't know how magnets work. And what he'd done is let all the, the objections of the customers shake his belief. He, he didn't know what he was selling was good anymore. And that was on him. So, uh, and, and then he had all these other questions and then he started to do the research and find out about the product. And then he would not use sell skills. He would show up and throw up and just drop all that information on the customer's lap. And instead of selling, he started telling. And if you're selling and, or if you're telling and not selling, you're not selling, you're just telling. And that will kill the deal faster than anything. And then they'll argue, that guy's going to argue and say, well, you don't tell the customer all the information. no. I pace out when I give the customer the information and I give it to them when they need 
the information, not when they want the information. I'm the sales professional. I'm in control of that. The customers will appreciate me taking them through a good, solid sales experience by giving them the right information at the right time. That's called wisdom. That comes from time and experience. And through time and experience, I've gained wisdom and I know when to lay the information out at, to them at the right time. So don't show up and throw up. That'll kill the deal. And, uh, you know, that makes it, that really bad. But don't, don't do that and make sure that you are powered up because that's going to make that happen. And that's why most new guys drop off because they get too much information, too many objections. They don't know what to do. And they, they start losing their belief and their PMA and they can't do it anymore because they overcomplicate it. Okay. So number three, this is the best one. Any objections, you're going to bring it up first, bring up the objection first. Okay. So this is where my first seven seconds becomes a super valuable training to you. I'm going to refer you to that module because, um, that is Seriously, so much information. I could spend another two hours talking about how to construct your first seven seconds and why it's so important. But basically, what you're going to do is if you have an objection, if you bring up the objection first, the customer can't say anything. Ready? We're going to role play here. So say your objection is money. You don't have enough money. Okay? And I say, hey, so like I said, this is a product that's going to be at no cost to you. And after, da, 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 and then you say, but wait, uh, I don't have any money. And I say, yeah, I know I said there was no upfront cost. So like I was saying was, and I just continue on, that's a lot easier on you as a sales guy, opposed to you being like, so, you know, with this product and they say, you know, I don't have enough money. They say, well, yeah, no, it's okay. Cause there's no money up front. No, I don't have any money. Now they're in control of the objection because they said it first and you're just trying to catch up. But if you say it first, it makes them feel silly. Um, you know, uh, also, if you in any kind of sales you know, uh, profession, no matter what, what type of sales arena you're in, birds of a feather flock together. So if you're selling a car, you're selling real estate, you're selling, you know, a product or service, most of the time in, in like, you know, car sales, you're selling a specific brand. Or you're selling a specific demographic with, you know, income demographic. So you know what the main objections are in that demographic. Now, you've either got to be a really good salesperson or you've got to be, you know, silly to sell a huge plethora of products without any kind of specificity. But that's another conversation. So once I hear that demographic's objections, birds of a feather, right? So I'll write down the objections I hear. So if I'm in a neighborhood and I'm cold calling, knock, knock, knock. And I, I use cold calling a lot because that's probably the hardest one to do, but it's the one that I'm best at because I spent the most time doing it because I felt like if I could master this form of sales, I could be the world's greatest salesman. And that's what I feel like I am. I feel like I spent enough time with enough customers. I have more reps than anyone in anything. I spent 16 years face-to-face -face in 32 different states in millions of people's living rooms, selling products. I, I, I've had a lot of experience practicing the words, the exact words to use and when to say it, how to say it, watching their responses. And that's why I did phone sales and my pops, he, you know, my dad, he's kind of credited with some of the coaching industry back in the day. You had a company called TSI and True North. My dad's Doug Holmes and, and he uh, did a lot of telemarketing phone sales. And I just didn't like it as well because I felt like 
um, you didn't get to see the customer's response. And so as I did that on the phones, I have such a hard time getting a gauge on the customer and you could just kind of, you know, plow through it. And that's good. But if I can see my customer and I can see how they're responding, I enjoy that. And that's a lot harder to deal with because you actually need to be on your, on your game. But if you can feel it and see it, then you can also hear it on the phone. So it's the same thing, but I prefer face to face. I like the challenge. So, um, once I ask that and I hear that objection, say it's money and I give them, Hey, swing it by quick. My name's Brandon. Da, 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 da. Well, I don't have enough money. Perfect money. I write it down next house. I'm going to bring up money first. Hey, so like I said, there's no upfront cost. Da, 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 da. We're moving, moving. I write moving down. So I'm going to use money and moving third house. My name is Brandon swinging by quick. Uh, this is for people who don't have any money up front and also that are moving. What I'm looking for is they bring up no time, time. Okay. Fourth house. Knock, knock. Hey, swing by quick. My name is Brandon. I know you don't have any money, and I know that if you're moving, that the time is really sparse, but I'm going to be really, really quick with you. What I'm looking for is I'm looking for this. Boom. That's your customer because I now have in this area, this demographic, I know what the objections are for this, this group. That's why I claim you can drop me off in any city in the United States, and within the first five doors, that I, first five conversations that I have, I can sell the customers. I'll sell the next customer after the fifth conversation because I know the objections. I can put a pitch together in seven seconds that will overcome all those objections, the main ones in that area for that demographic, and I can sell it. You can too. You can too. You just got to listen. You listen, you write it down, and you implement, and you pivot and change, and then you deliver the right product. Quit trying to fit a square peg in a round hole by giving the same pitch over and over and over again. Adjust your pitch. Just tweak it. Change it. Mold it for who you're talking to specificity. We're back to it. That's everything. Okay. So bringing it up first, they can't say anything if you do it. And that will also take off of 20, take 20, another 20% of the customers for the objection. So if you can believe, if you can have a a strong positive mental attitude and you can also uh, bring it up first, you'll get rid of 90% of all objections. Is that crazy? It's true. It's true. So the last 10% are the real objections. These are the real things that are going to hold up. Everything else falls on your shoulders as a salesperson. That's why I focus on the doors to success. Think about it. I focus on, you know, social, emotional, mental, spiritual, physical. If you master those five doors of success in your life and you are secure in those five avenues, when you go to war and you've mastered those in the general's tent, you swallowed your frog and you're out there battling, and you've got those five things done, sales is simple. But people skip those things all the time and they try to rely on talent. Hard work beats talent every time talent doesn't work hard. So go work hard and get talented. Go, go do the Grant Cardone and the Jordan Belfort, which if you've ever watched those guys on YouTube, it's classic. Cardone is arguing quantity. Belfort's arguing quality, and the answer is you're both right. Stop arguing. You know you're both right. Stop it. Go get open the funnels. Grant, you're right. Open the funnels. Go get more customers. Go bang more doors. It's a numbers game. Everyone knows that. But if you're going to do that, go be extremely good. Go Jordan Belfort. Go make sure you know the content. Go make sure you know the sales skills, how to pull back, build value, the takeaway, the closing skills, the head nods, the snapping, the feet rub. You not get good. Everyone knows that. Do both. Be incredible in both. That's, that's the way you're going to be the greatest salesman of all time. It's 
It is learning how to master the genius of the and and fighting the tyranny of the or. Say it again. Success in cells is finding how to master the genius of the and and fighting the tyranny of the or. It can be both. It can be quantity and quality. It doesn't have to be it's quantity or quality. No, that's the tyranny of the or will drive you crazy. The true value is is the genius of the and. It's both. I can be a good dad and a good sales manager. You don't have to be, uh, I can be a good dad or I have to be, I can't sell a lot because I have to be a good dad. No, I do both. As soon as I figured that out, my life changed. My success, my income changed. That's probably one of the greatest advice tips I've ever gotten while sitting on a private jet flying to Boston with Todd Peterson. Love you, Todd. Thanks for everything you taught me, man. Todd taught me that. We're sitting there, and I was telling him about what I was dealing with, with why you know, things were going on the way they were, and he said that quote. I'll never forget it. Thanks, Todd. So we're left with 10% objections, real objections, the real hard ones, the ones that you can't overcome, the ones that, that stop the customer from moving forward. What do you do? Now we get back to the beginning of this episode by porcupining, a real porcupine. This is how it works, okay? Every human being has one thing they all need. They all need to be validated, whether that's in any fight or any relationship, that's in any transaction. Whoever validates the other person wins, truly wins, but the person being validated feels like they're winning because they are, because you both win. It's the end. It's the genius of the end back at it, okay? So the first thing you have to do is you validate. So if someone brings up an objection and you've smoke screened it, like I'm moving. Yeah, well, I'm looking for someone who's moving. And, oh, you, you're moving? Perfect. You're who I'm looking for. But da, 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 da. 10 minutes later, no, I'm really moving, man. Perfect. So I want to make sure I understand you correctly. What you're saying is, is that you're moving. So the first thing you do is validate. I totally understand what you're saying. You've got to validate them. Now, here is where all sales guys make the classic blunder. The classic blunder is they try to solve the problem like the dragon slayer man they are. Don't solve the problem. You don't need to solve these problems. There's no, you can't solve these problems. These are real objections. These are deal killers. They're deal killers. No one's been able to solve it. You can't solve it. They would have had your product already. So don't solve their problem. Validate them. Listen and validate. You're more of a shrink right now than you're going to be a sales guy. But the truth about that is that great salespeople are great therapists. <laughs> That's why my last podcast, I had a, certi- a certified therapist on as my, my guest so I could help everyone with this topic because I knew I was training on this. And so I thought, hmm, I'm going to get a certified therapist in here. We're going to talk about this because I'm going to train on this. So let's add some value here for people. That's what I did. I totally understand why you feel that way. The next thing you're going to do, number two, is you're going to acknowledge. And you're going to make sure that they know you heard them. So you're going to say, to make sure I understand you correctly, okay, we're going to put this all together here in a minute. Number three is you're going to restate. So what you're saying is, And what this does is make sure that they know you heard them. They feel validated. Okay, he's hearing me. Then you're going to acknowledge, okay, he's acknowledging me. He's actually listening. 
Then you're going to restate and say, oh, he knows. He's not just listening. He's hearing me. He's heard. He's heard me. I'm feeling really good about this. And then the last thing is you're going to affirm, affirm what it is that they're saying. And all you have to do here, all you have to do is repeat word for word the objection you heard. I'm like giving you guys million-dollar checks right here. This is, this is crazy stuff, okay? So you're going to say, I totally understand why you feel that way. To make sure I understand you correctly, what you're saying is that you're moving. And you wait. Now, there's a second part to this that you've got to do or it will just stay there. And that second part is, is you got to state their objection word for word. Just say it. Repeat it word for word. The second piece is, remember what I said about buyers are liars? They're not. Buyers don't know what their true objections are, and it's your job to pull it out of them. So the second piece, what you're going to do is you're going to guess what their real objection is. Because this isn't it. Very rarely do you they ever give you their first real objection. It's the second one. And you got to guess it. I call it either a plus one or the next phase, or you try to lead the conversation to the next step. So make sure I understand you correctly. I totally understand what you're saying. To make sure I understand you correctly, what you're saying is, is that you're moving and you don't want to have two solar systems on two different houses? Well, no, because, you know, I just don't know if I like how they look. Okay, so uh, I totally understand why you'd say that. So what you're saying is, just to make sure I understand you correctly, what you're saying is that you don't like how the solar looks and you're moving so you don't know if the next person's going to like what they look like? Well, you know, I don't know if the next person is going to like how they look because, you know, they're pretty expensive. Okay, so I totally understand why you're saying that. To make sure I understand you correctly, what you're saying is is that you don't know if the next person is going to want to pay for the solar. Yes. Ah, perfect. Now, you run through that little scenario, you run through that game until you hear a hard, simple, single yes. If they say anything else, you're not done. And all you're going to do is you're going to run through that run through that little exercise until they say yes. If you do, and if you don't, and you jump the gun, you will ruin it, and, and you won't get their objection. And they'll, you'll leave that conversation half open, and they'll feel unvalidated, and they'll say, okay, you got them far off, they'll sign the documents, whatever, and, they'll, okay, and then they'll cancel, and you'll wonder why, and then they'll, back to my analogy. So you've got to make sure they say yes. When they say yes, you're going to feel like this major pressure release, and they will actually like smile. You'll see it on their face. You'll know when you nail their objection. You'll see it on their face. I do this with groups, sales groups all the time, and it's such a fun little example. The other thing too, though, is that your customers are not meeting with their homeowners, you know, association, training on how not to give you their objection. They actually want to give you their objections. They want to. They want to give it to you. They just don't know what it is. So don't don't fear that, right? Don't don't think that they're trying to be be asses. They're not. They're they're trying to help you. They want if they're this far in the conversation, if you're this far, they want to give you their objection. They want to go through the sales process. They're trying to find a way and a reason why, they, why they're getting stopped. They don't want to get stopped. They're giving it to you. Help me fix it, right? And you're just going to make sure you know you've heard them. And if people feel validated in that moment and that you've heard them, what they're going to do is they'll say, hey, if he's heard me and he truly understands my objection and we're still here, he's probably ha- had this happen before. 
That's why people want to talk to a manager. That's why people want to talk to the supervisor is because the supervisor or manager has probably seen this issue before and they know how to handle it. Not this new sales guy. That's why. So don't be the new sales guy. Handle it this way and you, they'll think you're the manager. They'll think you're the experienced sales guy and you haven't done anything. You've just restated word for word what they've said. It's magical. I, I swear it. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Okay. So make sure I understand you correctly. I totally understand how you feel. But just to make sure I understand you correctly, what you're saying is, is that you don't like how the solar looks on the roof because you don't think that they look good? No, I just think that, you know, if I put on the roof that, you know, my wife won't like them. Ah, okay. So I, I understand you clearly now. What you're saying is, is to make sure I understand you correctly, what you're saying is, is that you don't want to put them on the roof because your wife doesn't like them. Well, you know, the wife actually said that we could put them on the roof if they're on the back. Okay, and pause. Don't get giddy now. Don't get excited. Don't get new guy. Don't get green horn here going on, which is all of a sudden a new guy would get super excited and he would like just, oh, I got it. I got it. I know what it is. I know what it is. It's the wife. Wants him on the back. And then they'll run with that. But you didn't finish the exercise. You never got a hard yes. Go to the hard yes. Really, really repeat them till they say yes. Thank you for listening to the Doors to Success podcast. Don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe for more. Visit bholmes.life for more information on how you can join the B-Print.